Hello, everybody, and welcome in on back to the From the 50 podcast. This is our first off-season podcast that will run up through the end of the upcoming draft in April. Hi, I'm Zach Zook. We got Nick Tolley behind the ones and twos, and we are presented by Book It Sports and brought to you by Aces Wild as well and Columbia, Illinois at what is it? What's the exact address, Nick? 408 North Main Street? 208 North Main 208 Street. 208 North Main Street. So head on over to Aces Wild in Columbia, Illinois, 208 North Main Street. They have all sorts of games and uh, drinks for you there. It's a good time. Head on over to Aces Wild. Uh, We had our Ace of the Week this year, and we're going to be continuing on with them through the offseason. So really excited for that. Head on over to 208 North Main Street in Columbia, Illinois, and check out Aces Wild. Once, you know, all the snow lifts and uh, we get some actual livable weather in this part of the United States, go on out and head out to 208 North Main Street and check out Aces Wild. We're also presented to you, as I mentioned, by Book It Sports. They got a lot of fun things on the app. Go to Book It. uh, You know, follow them on all social medias, especially Twitter and TikTok. I know they're pretty active, and they got a bunch of giveaways and parlays and prop bets, and they got a ton of content they're putting out over there. So go ahead and uh, check out Book It Sports and make an account with them. They are... uh, uh, doing really well, getting new users every day. So let's get into our first off-season show of the year. And as much as I love football, and, and, and the in-season show is is the most fun for me, but I get just as intrigued and interested by all the off-season stuff. And Nick, I don't know what it's like for you, but like this time, like once like my favorite team is eliminated, like I start looking forward to all the stuff that's going to happen in the off-season in the draft, and I start – you know, thinking back on some of the guys I saw in college working at PFF or just on, you know, Saturdays, like, oh, let's, I wonder what the value is on this person. I start going back and watching like, you know, their, their, their footage or tape. And I try to do as much of it as I can in the fall, but a lot of it is done, you know, now. So are you the same way? Like, are you all, are you like full in on like what, what the bills or the Patriots or some of these, you know, more national stories? Yeah, I don't do as much with the draft, but I think it's really fun to play what if kind of with the free agency stuff, especially this year. There's 20 teams that need quarterbacks and a lot of big name guys that all have movable deals. And there's so much going on and what could happen with trades. You're seeing like Deshaun Watson for Dak Prescott, like the like, how can we move this money <laughs> here and do this? And it's just the yes. fun craziness of the NFL offseason. Yes, I wish it- baseball did. Yeah, I mean, baseball, I think, used to have probably the best offseason. I mean, hot stove season, there wasn't anything better. But now it's gotten into, like, the last, I don't know what, four or five years. It's just been guys are, you know, free agents into spring training. And I remember particularly when the White Sox had a lot of money and they were kind of going out. They were in on Machado and Harper, which, of course, they (laughs) lost out on both. But uh, I remember all that happening and just, like, as a fan, almost getting annoyed by it because – you almost lost my interest Oh, after a certain at a certain point. It's like, dude, this is ridiculous. Like, just get it over with and sign somewhere so we can all move on with our freaking lives. Like the season is coming up and we don't know where these guys are going to play. And I think the NFL is kind of the perfect balance between what baseball is now and what the NBA is. Like, I think the NBA has too much player movement to where you can't even keep up with it. And it's not fun. And it's it's a player's league, as you know, and. I think that the brands in the NFL are just so awesome. So when, and it makes it more special to when you do see an off season, like we're entering right now, 
it makes it it makes it all the more crazier because you're seeing Carson Wentz, who we're going to talk about here in a second, Deshaun Watson. You get these big names that get cut every year because it's a hard cap league. So you get these veterans that become available and all of a sudden they're available really for cheap. And so uh, I, I think it's just really, really fun, fun time in the NFL. The free agency especially is is always interesting because you get some trades that have been rumored. You you know, you get the rumor mill churning, like the Dak Prescott stuff is, I think, going to become a huge story. Nobody's really talking about that yet, but at what point do those talks resume and those rumors heat up? You get, of course, Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz have been, you know, at the, at the, the center of the storm, if you will. Uh, we had the Jared Groff, Matt Stafford trade, which was, I think, unprecedented in and of itself. I don't remember like a QB for QB trade when both the quarterbacks had had that much success. And I know Jared Goff is like kind of whatever right now, but guy still guy was like two years removed from being the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl. So uh, it's, it's interesting, man. And I feel like this off season, I, I in the playoffs, I was leading the charge more of saying, you know, temper your expectations. There's a lot of rumors stuff probably isn't going to happen. And then the Stafford for Goff thing, you know, hit. And it feels like all of these trades are going to happen. And so I know that the Deshaun Watson thing is getting dragged out and it's kind of gone back and forth. So maybe we start there with the Texans and just kind of how, how they have just become one of the worst franchises, I think, in the NFL right now. They don't have any picks. They don't have any money. And they're shedding players left and right. And they can't even get a coach because – they had to hire, and you told me this before we got on, Nick, they had to hire the Ravens passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach, David Culley. And I'm telling you, David Culley and Nick Sirianni, the Eagles guy, we're going to forget who they are. <laughs> Week one is going to roll around, and you are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that's who they hired, huh? Like, where, where did he come from? Like, nobody's <laughs> going to have any clue who these guys are. And I can tell you, as somebody that has followed the NFL for a pretty long time, no clue who David Culley is. No clue who Nick Sirianni is. And the Texans, who are led by the preacher right now, Jack Easterby, it's getting really, really uncomfortable down there. They just cut J.J. Watt. Uh, Nick, what are your kind of your thoughts on where they go? Like, it feels to me like the David Culley hire is kind of like a two, three year bridge guy to get them to where they want to go to where they can hire a real coach because no, no coach worth his salt was going to sign to sign on to this dumpster fire in Houston where you don't know who the quarterback is. The franchise guy wants out. They have no picks. They have no money. Like, why would you want to go there? So they had to reach out to the Ravens passing game coordinator to finally get the position filled. So I think eventually they're going to hire somebody else uh, I don't know if it'll be a Patriots guy eventually, because of course they have the Nick Casario uh, hire as the GM now. Uh, so it feels like they're kind of setting up for like to even start their rebuild in like two to three years, which is just mind boggling to me. Uh, so what are kind of your thoughts on the direction of that team? And then we can kind of get into more. I think the interesting part, which is where Deshaun Watson goes and where JJ Watt goes. Yeah, I think David Culley's like 65 years old. He's been around the league forever, but he's never really grown. Like, he's never gotten that coordinator job. He's never really grown into anything above a kind of a mid-level assistant, I guess you would say. And he wasn't even good the 
uh, Ravens wide receivers and passing game was the worst in the NFL last year. So not sure how they ended up on that guy. But and, also and I'll with- tell you this, not not to not to interrupt you, but like I did a decent amount of Ravens games for all routes this year for pro football focus in the Ravens passing game is very unique in the sense that it's it's high school. Like they don't do anything special because they're so unique in the run game that when they pass, they keep it very simple for Lamar. Like he does not really have to think that much back there. It's a lot of like, I would, I was shocked at how much like four verts I would see. You just see him. They all just fly down the field or maybe they get a guy, you know, like do a deep cross or whatever. They do variations of four verts, but they do very, very simple passing. Concepts I think that was their like two man routes. I mean, it's not complicated. Did they try to get the DBs to all turn around and run, 25 yards downfield so Lamar can then just mark and scramble (laughs) it was pretty much all they had but I mean this Jack Easterby guy I mean I guess they said they wanted to change the culture down there and that's for sure happening because since he was hired you lose your captain and JJ Watt your quarterback wants out you lost your number one wide receiver and Deshaun Watt or Sean Hobson DeAndre Hopkins wow uh (laughs) They're close enough. Their, we'll give you their a team, break. Yeah, their team president left. I'm, their GM got fired. Head coach gets fired. I mean, they've really talked about cleaning house. Yeah, but here, here's the here's the thing, though, and the problem, like, with the culture changes, you had good culture guys there. Yeah. I think the, the bad apple was Bill O'Brien, who was running the show, and the bad apple continues to be Jack Easterby. Yeah. The guy knows nothing about football. He knows nothing about personnel, at least in terms of, you know, what a front office person or the, in a, in a, an executive, a top of the line executive that is running the show would, would think, I mean, I think Bill Belichick, cause he was initially a Patriots guy. No Easterby. Yeah. I think he came in, he was, with was like them. a scout or something. He came in as they had some weird title for him, but he was essentially a pastor for them I, I, or a guy yes. to preach to the team. That's Motivation right. guy. That's right. He was. He, and so I remember when he had gotten the executive role with the Texans, Bill Belichick had been asked the question, is he a personnel guy? And he basically, I mean, a J I mean, he tried to be as professional as he could, but he basically said like, no, he, he yeah. has no hand in picking the players and has no background or knowledge into that whatsoever. So I think that the Texans are in trouble. I think, you know, we, we shit talked the Washington football team. I know I just ripped them to shreds last off season and that team right now. I mean, even for all the Dan Snyder bullshit is, you know, light years ahead of what the Texans are at right now, especially assuming that Deshaun Watson isn't going to be the long-term quarterback there, uh, which I think is probably the case. I mean, you're taking a guy that I think has some of the best leadership in, in the league, which I think is a huge, huge trade at that position. Like Tom Brady's not the most talented quarterback, but his leadership is incredible. And that's why they win. Like Deshaun Watson t- won the first national title for Clemson. He beat Alabama and Nick Saban at the height of that program. When Clemson wasn't thought of as they are today, they're thought of as they are today be- in, in part because of guys like Deshaun Watson. And you got, you know, J.J. Watt, who had taken a franchise that was relatively new, uh, that had just entered the Houston market, right, and had put them on the map and had been the franchise player and leader of that locker room for a decade. And so getting rid of those guys, like, I don't see – I that, that'll change the culture for sure. I don't think it's a positive change, though. 
And then the combination of then hiring a guy in David Coley, who, I mean, let's not crush the guy before he even coaches a game as a head coach, but because just we both said, we know nothing about him, but to hire a guy that's never even been a coordinator before. And under the circumstances you're bringing in, I think guys that don't know what they're doing. Like Nick Casario has never been a GM. Nick Casario, even for his executive experience, all the success that he's seen at the Patriots, hasn't actually had any hands-on experience really doing anything. He's seen how, you know, the Patriots operate in terms of what they think of positional value in the cap. And I'm sure he'll bring some really interesting things to the table down there. But I think that there are a lot of what the, the leadership in Houston right now is a lot of guys flying by the seat of their pants that have no fucking idea what they're doing like and so i just i think if you're a texans fan buckle up because this is just the beginning i truthfully i do think it's just the beginning this is going to be a team that i think picks one before before they're all said and done i'd be willing i'd be willing to predict that in the next three years they will pick one because they're they just have no talent their coaching staff has Little to no talent, I'd imagine. I don't, I don't know what David Coley is going to do to fill out the staff, but his options are going to be limited because not only is he obviously – he's not a retread. He's never put together a staff before. He probably doesn't have as many you know friends in the league as somebody else does. Now, he is – you said he was 65, so I guess he's been around the block and probably knows some guys. But to get some to get people to sign on to that, I think it's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, but that's why I said I wanted them to hire Marvin Lewis. Like he would have been the perfect two to three yes, year bridge. I, I think the, I think the I think the Lions should have hired Marvin Lewis. I think Marvin Lewis yeah. would have been a great hire for them. Uh, but they you know they went the Dan Campbell route. It sounds like they're doing a full teardown too. But l- let's talk about the players because, and we can focus on Deshaun first because I think the more interesting one, at least right now, is JJ Watt because, you know. I guess we all thought it was a possibility, but I at least, you know, was kind of shocked when it happened and when it started heating up, like, well, they're going to for sure cut him and go separate ways. It made sense to on paper, but to still, to not even try to trade him, I guess, or literally just to cut the asset. And, you know, I mean, I mean, un, un, unarguably the franchise's best player. There was and a story a couple months ago about it and it just kind of floated under the radar because stuff was still happening that they were looking to trade him or possibly release him and that he wanted out. It was kind of when Deshaun Watson first requested his trade and it, it just kind of like flew under there. So when they released him, I wasn't totally shocked. And then I saw, I think he had like a $28 million cap hit coming this year and it was zero to release him. So I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. So I remember looking at that, I think around the time that Deshaun stuff started and around the time that you're talking about. And I remember thinking in my head, Oh, he's gone. But to to still, I guess, see it just kind of surprised me just because it is so like he has quality football left. I think he's a huge injury risk. And one of the reasons I want to talk about him is because the the well, obviously, the Packers are, I think, going to be in on it. So I don't I don't know what he wants. I don't know where he wants to go. I'd imagine he's basically going to have his choice between a couple of contenders. The Packers do have a precedent in the fact that they signed Julius Peppers and he played like three or four pretty quality years for them uh, they the, didn't have a whole lot of edge help at that time I think that was around the time like Nick Perry and Clay Matthews were kind of always hurt and so he played I remember just thinking you, you weren't all that excited by the signing and then even when he was out there you weren't all that excited but the guy just like made plays so I do think there's some precedent there obviously J.J. Watt is a Wisconsinite 
and played at, you know, Wisconsin for the Badgers. So I, 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 I'm interested to see what will happen, but the Packers are in such cap hell that I don't understand how they're going to be able to do that. Now they are going to cut just a ton of people. I mean, they are going to just release a ton of people as Nick Nick's, you know, he's got the number pulled up negative 20 million, almost negative 21 million. So they'll free a lot of that up because Preston Smith's going to get cut. Kevin King's coming off the books. You're getting some guys that are coming off the books. Uh, and you're going to have some other people that are cut, like Lane Taylor is going to be cut. But uh, where believe- do you think that J.J. Uh, lands? What do you think is a good fit for him? Because a lot of the places I've seen floated in the other popular place was Pittsburgh to go play with, you know, his brothers. And they're, look at this, right next to Green Bay. And they're negative cap too. So I think a lot of these places are not going to, if he wants to go to a contender, he's not going to make a lot of money. And so I think a lot of it is going to determine on What's JJ's number? What does he think he's worth? And what what is he willing to do? So uh, what do you what, what do you kind of think? What have you been hearing, Nick, in terms of what could be a good landing spot for him? Because the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Green Bay Packers have been the two biggest ones I've seen. Maybe Indy I've seen float out there just because they're, you know, kind of fun, interesting, have a lot of cap space. But uh, a, a lot of the ones I've seen have been, you know, mainly Pittsburgh and, and Green Bay. So uh, there's kind of four teams that, I've seen floated out there a lot. I'm, I think the Packers are the favorite at like plus one fifty, followed by the Steelers. Which well, and, and makes I think Budikins made a comment that said that they are interested in, him. like that's a reported yeah. on thing. They're interested in adding him, uh, which which again, I think depending on what he wants. I mean, he is, you know, even if he wanted to just sign for a lot of money, even if you were a team like the Colts that have a ton of cap room, you got to look at it from guys on the wrong side of 30 he's been injured like a, a lot you know last several years yeah. so i think I he's, he's played, played about uh, roughly about 50 percent of the games if i had to guess yeah i think he's played two full seasons since 2016 which so that's less than 50 percent then so uh he he did you know stay healthy through 2020 and i think he was mostly healthy through 2019 or played a full season 2018 one of those so he's gotten gotten his career back on track a little bit after having some of those issues that started in 2016 but even still he's not going to command this huge number but uh what like is he an eight million dollar player like I, I wonder what uh his contract looks like and how much guarantees there are because they always get a little weird when, when you get these veteran deals like Richard Sherman, you know, signed for basically all incentives. And you know, so the, these veterans all seem to have different things that are important to them and their mm-hmm. deals. So I think an incentive laden contract, though, for a guy like J.J. Watt, whether you're the Steelers, the Packers, the Colts, the, the Bills, you know, what any team trying to compete makes a ton of sense to, to get him on, get him on like a front loaded deal where you get him for two, three years and you can cut for nothing after the first year. Yeah. That was a couple things I've seen float out there today. They're expecting Trent Murphy to move on from the bills. So JJ walk could kind of fill his role on the defensive line. And then like Trent Murphy guys yeah. kind of mean, just, just a mean <laughs> son of a gun. I remember him with uh, the old Redskins teams. Now the Washington football team, but when he was on them, they were called the Redskins. He, th- those guys were just mean. They were just mean. Yep. Preston Smith, Trent Murphy, Ryan Kerrigan, like they would just beat you up. Yeah. And then I saw a story today. Apparently it became an overnight favorite of JJ Watt is him possibly going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and teaming up with Tom. They have a lot of guys there to re-sign and they're saying 
I know Shaq Barrett came out and said this is his time. He wants to get the bag. And so they're saying if that number climbs too high that they might go after J.J. Watt. Did uh, is Shaq Barrett on the franchise tag this past year? I think he was. Or did he have one year left on his deal? Uh, I saw the Tampa thing floated too, I think yesterday. And I thought it was, I, I didn't really take it all that seriously just from the the fact that I was like, oh, basically any veteran now, any old guy that's a big name is going to get linked to them because they have Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and all these guys. But yeah, to me, I was like, they have JPP and Shaq Barrett. Like they're not getting JJ Watt. I, I just kind of wrote it off and they have Vita Vea too. And yeah. all these guys in the second, I was like, that makes no sense to me. But uh, yeah, he was if on what the you say is true tag. and they want to see, here's the thing though. Like if you're the bucks and you're Jason light, you'd be stupid to move off of Barrett. If, even if the number gets high, like break, you break those guys off. Like you yeah. break Khalil Mack. Von Miller, Shaq Barrett, like you break those guys off. They play the guys that play the important premier positions like quarterback, like edge rusher, your tackles. They don't, they don't hit the mark. You don't let them hit the market. If you know what you're talking about at all, like, because what you want to, so you're going to get a downgrade. Even if JJ Watt stays healthy, he's not what Shaq Barrett is now. He's not going to play every down and he's going to be off your team in two to three years. So yeah, I, it just makes no it makes little to no sense to me i like him i like him going to the bills or to the steelers because i think both of those teams he can be a rotational guy and he'll have his 15 20 really good pass rushes a game and they can kind of manage him and help him stay healthy and i think yeah. he'd succeed in either of those places yeah see I, I i like him for the packers for that reason too because basically when they were cutting press i thought well okay so now you don't have any depth but Rashawn Gary stepped up and showed you something this year. So now he can probably be the full-time starter opposite of Sidarius. But you really want to have more than two yeah. uh, edge rushers. And uh, to quote the late, great Ted Thompson, uh, the good Lord only made so many of them, is what he says of, you know, the hog mollies. So uh, you do only get so many opportunities to get quality edge rushers. But, yeah, I think, I think you know, all those teams that you mentioned. But the, the problem with Pittsburgh potentially is – uh, they're going to have to cut some guys. I think a lot of the guys they're going to have to cut is on the defensive line, whereas the Packers really only have, I think, one contract on the edge coming off the books. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think Pittsburgh has uh, Cam Hayward uh, uh, still on the team. I don't know what his contract's like. I think he's I like a potential a cut number. candidate. You got Bud Dupree. Uh, of course, TJ's not going anywhere. I wouldn't think he'd put send Bud Dupree anywhere either with as well as he's played. So uh, – yeah, it's interesting. I, th- I think Pittsburgh is makes a lot of sense uh, mm-hmm. as well. Did Tali? Did you think uh, I more brought the Bills up just because I I want to say I had seen him linked to them at some point. Did you see any reports of that? Yeah, and I don't know if I didn't have time to look to see if it was a fake tweet, but I think it was a real tweet from Stefan Diggs asking uh, JJ Watt to call him and a few other players reaching out to him. So you always love love to see that. Oh yeah. Um, so, all right, well, let's wrap up the JJ Watt talk. Then I'd imagine he's probably not going to sign for a little while. Uh, the league year will start, um, exactly usually it starts, a month. yeah, it starts about a month after the Super yep. Bowl. So mid-March was when the league year will open. You'll get deals before then. Like Carson Wentz is going to get traded before then. Most likely you'll get guys that sign in principle like a week or two before. So about start of March is when free agency starts heating up. 
And what, what's interesting, though, this year and why I think it could be a little bit different is because typically a lot of these deals get done at the combine in February, which obviously they're not having this year. So that is when a lot of these GMs talk and, and these deals go down there. So or, or they get worked out, you know, the majority of it gets worked out at the combine and then you complete the deals over the phone in the next couple of weeks after you take stock of everything. But a lot of business gets done at the combine. So I wonder how that will affect kind of the free agent market. And if guys get picked up as quickly as they would have in other years. And we'll talk about this when we get to the cap. So uh, maybe I'll just save it for then, but uh, it's going to be just a different year because the cap's going down. So uh, with that, let's talk. Let's talk about Deshaun. Then we can get on to Carson and then the cap stuff. But uh, I, I had seen, and you had sent me the tweet uh, that the that there's a somebody reporting that he might stay in Houston now and sit out the first ten weeks of the season until he has to report to get in a crude season. Yes. Um, I think it's a possibility. I still think it's highly unlikely. I mean, that would just be that would be so weird. Like you have a guy. So then one of the Texans do you, you roll into the year with a backup quarterback. Like uh, again, I mean, it's the Texans right now. So it's getting really weird down there. Nothing would, I guess, so, totally surprise me, but I just don't know how you don't trade Deshaun before, like well before the draft, because once you, once the draft passes your suitors and potential landing spots for him and the competition and the price, it's going to go way down because you're not going to have nearly as much competition for him because these teams are going to either draft somebody or sign somebody else. So I don't know what the Texans are thinking. I, I, I know that they don't want to trade him, I guess, but like you, I mean, he's not the quarterback of the future at this point, right? Like he's not staying long-term like everything points to they're cutting everybody like, and even if at this point, even if you did keep him, I, I'm of the opinion, if I was just dropped into this Texan situation, I'd probably trade him too, because what is the point? The, the, the team is going to be terrible it for seems- at least two to three years. And your coach is awful. you like, it, so what? Maybe he carries the coach to like a couple of division titles and playoff berths at nine and seven and 10 and six. And you get bounced by the chiefs or whoever is good out of the AFC that year. Like in the first round, like you're not truly building anything there. Like, and then he's going to be in his thirties by the time you maybe have a chance to get good. Like that just makes, it makes no sense to hold on to him at this point. After you've cut JJ, you've traded Deandre Hopkins. You have no picks. You have no money to help him. Like it makes no sense to keep him. It seems kind of like a pride thing at this point. Like they signed him. Was it a four year or five year extension before or early last season. Yeah, it was right in the, the off season last year and he got yeah. up on, you know, did some conference with his family members and all of a sudden <laughs> less than a year later, they're getting ready to trade him away. So, so I, it seems like a pride thing now where they're just like, Nope, we don't care. We're going to recoup all this money back. Cause if he sits out, he doesn't get paid anything and gets fined a crap ton. And there seems like they're just fine collecting the money. They'll have either somebody they draft or some free agent that they sign play quarterback and, just kind of go with the flow. I, I do think it's sticky though, the, the the trade situation. And I think that's why we could see it, you know, playing the other side of the argument now, why we could see it play out and, and it's in drag out. If you think about it from other teams' perspectives, now we've seen them linked to the Dolphins, the Jets. I mean, any quarterback needy team. 
the Texans are not going to trade him to a team like, say, the Colts that are already good because the picks are going to be worthless because the team's just going to be fucking awesome. And you're not going to get good value for it. But if you're a team like, you know, uh, the, the, like, a, like a really bad team, you're not going to, why would, why do you want to trade for Deshaun Watson who's in his mid twenties when potentially you're not going to be ready to win? Like let's, let's say, take the lions, for example, who are doing a full tear down themselves. Now they have Jared Goff, but let's just pretend for a second that they don't have Jared Goff. If, if, if you're a team like that, why would you want to trade for Watson when the rest of your team is really bad? And you don't know if you're going to be able to field anything around him for the next couple of years, because the moment you trade for Watson, you're giving up your picks. You're also taking on his contract. So you're not going to have money to, to build the team around him in free agency because you're going to be handicapped by his handicapped by his contract. And you're not going to be able to get cheap controllable assets because you're giving up all your first round picks. So I do think it's a really tricky situation because if you're a rebuilding team, it's it's tough to, I think, make that trade and pull that trigger because the second you do, you significantly uh, impede yourself from drastically improving the roster because how you win Super Bowls is hitting on draft picks. I mean, that's always been how it works. Like the, like the Saints hit on all those draft picks. Boom. They're instantly back into, into contention as like the one or two seed every season. They hit on Marshawn Lattimore. They, the safety Marcus Williams, they got Michael Thomas. Thomas. They got Alvin Kamara. That's that was like all within like a year or two of each other. And, and just like that, boom, they're just amazing. Like the, like the 49ers too. They had a lot of high picks, but like Fred Warner in the third round, uh, Akella Witherspoon was like an undrafted free agent off the street. Jaquaski tart. Like they got guys like that. And then supplemented with guys in free agency that weren't even necessarily expensive players like Kyle Juszczyk. I, I, I read that signing and I, and I like didn't even read it. Went on to the next one. But that stuff like is that's how you build your team to contend and, and win championships. And if you trade for Deshaun Watson, you don't really have the ability to do that. So in my mind, there's really only two places that he can go. And it's Miami and the Jets. And the reason for that is because they both have a lot of picks and because you can get a third pick or the second pick in this draft. And if you're the Texans, you can immediately draft your next quarterback. And so I think that makes the most sense because those two teams who have more picks and are more, uh, maybe it'll be easier. I think it'll be easier for them since they have both picks and money to absorb the, the, the pitfalls of acquiring a player like Deshaun Watson, it'll be easier for those teams to do it than some other teams, especially some contenders. And if you're the Texans, you're getting better value. Like, like if I, I know we talked like four first round picks that ain't happening, man, it ain't happening. You're going to get maybe like, if you trade to Miami, you're going to get like their third or, and their for you're gonna get their first round pick this year. So the number three overall, and then you're going to get like their first next year and maybe another player or two and a couple mid round picks. But like, that's not, it's not, it's simply not going to happen. Like they're not going to get first round picks for three to four years because it, it, no team would do that. You're just, you, you're literally, you're not going to be able to, to get any good players then for half a decade. And that's so just not something anybody's going to sign up for the dolphins would be the best. Cause don't they have like three first round picks this year? So, I mean, if you could theoretically, See, I think, I think that's the best of all of those, then like that, I, I, th- I think New York works, but I think Miami's the better fit because 
if you're Miami, you could trade two of your first this year and a first next year. You still get a first round pick this year. You're literally missing out on one year of first round picks then. And so if you're the Dolphins who already have a really good defense and they have some interesting pieces, like they're not totally, you know, terrible. Like they were, they should probably should have made the playoffs this year. So like that team makes a lot more sense to me than say a Jets team who just has like the worst roster ever. Now, GM Joe Douglas, I think, is really good, and I think he's going to turn them around. But they don't have as many picks as the Dolphins, and so it would be a little bit harder for them to then build the team around Deshaun if they have to give up, like, the second overall pick. Now, that's like the thing about the cost of doing business. Yeah, Deshaun is is better than whoever you're going to take in the second second overall. But, like, oh, it's, it's, it's like I could give up multiple first-round picks and players for Deshaun Watson – or I could keep everything I have and take the second best quarterback off the board at number two and build around, build around him. Like if I like Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trey Lance, I'm just going to pick them. So I think the, I think the dolphins thing makes the most sense, especially you're getting a team that's in its own head that does not want to miss again. They know they swung and they should have taken Herbert and they didn't. And they built all this stuff up to, and they drafted the wrong guy. And so I think that a team like the Dolphins would be more willing to play ball with you because a proven commodity that's an elite top 10 quarterback like Deshaun makes a lot more sense to to a team like that that would love to get a sure thing behind uh, under center. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let's talk about the Carson Wentz deal, and then we'll move on to free agency and wrap up the show. Uh, The the Carson Wentz rumors have been quiet since uh, Schefter dropped the bomb that he was going to be traded as soon as this week, in quotes, it felt a little uh, clickbaity there from Adam. Not saying his sourcing was wrong. I'm sure that's what he was told. But I think that uh, what had happened was the Philadelphia Eagles leaked that to Schefter because they wanted people to start making serious offers because I think they'd like to ideally move him ASAP. But uh, clearly they haven't they haven't been offered anywhere in the ballpark of what they want for him. So uh, I, I know there's been some different trades. Tell do you want to tell, tell me the, the trade that you thought the bears had offered. Yeah. And I think this might've been around the time when they said that that deal was going to be done in the week. So maybe that it was, cause I've heard that the Eagles are, you can get whatever information you want from them, that they leak everything and the bears got scared off and pulled it. But the bears essentially offered their first round pick which is 20th this year uh Tariq Cohen and Nick Foles for Carson Wentz do they have their their first round pick this year the Eagles no the the Bears do they still have it yeah I know they haven't had a first round pick for the last two years because of the Mac trade yeah it's 20th overall so they do have the 20th overall pick see if I'm the Eagles I'd say dude tell it to me walking like I don't no way am I taking that deal Uh, I would you would take that deal if I you're would. the Eagles. Yes. And why? Because well, I think you're getting a quarterback that literally can't play. I'd quite literally rather draft somebody in the fifth round than take Nick Foles. I don't think Nick Foles really matters. I think that's just a money swap type Throw thing. In. Yeah. yeah. But you're picking six overall. So you can either – there's a possibility that you can draft one of these top four quarterbacks at six overall – if you like any of them, then you have 20 overall too. You can start looking at rebuilding your offensive line and start there. You have Tariq Cohen and Miles Sanders then in your backfield. Like you have some okay wide receivers. They're also talking about dealing Zach Ertz, so you can get some more capital there. Yes, which maybe that you trade feels like him it's definitely for your quarterback. Happening. 
That feels like yeah. the Ertz thing is definitely happening. That's why uh, that's why I a... drafted Dallas Goddard in uh, our <laughs> yeah. dynasty league two years ago because I knew that was going to happen eventually. The Colts apparently were looking at a package of Ertz and Wentz. Really? Now that's yeah. that's now we're talking. That is uh <laughs> that is some juicy stuff. But but the Bears offer to me and why I wouldn't take it is because Foles to me is just is nothing. Like you said, it's like a money swap. Yeah. I if he's taking any meaningful snaps under center for me, I've already lost the trade. But uh, Tariq Cohen is also coming off season-ending ACL surgery. So, yeah, I think he's an interesting gadget guy, but I feel like I can get Tariq Cohen in, like, the fourth round of this year's draft. I mean, no offense to Tariq Cohen, but, like, he's not – he's a scat back. And, yeah, I, he's an interesting gadget piece to me. And he's an all-right runner. I think he's an in, intriguing player, but he's by no means some elite, you know – guy yep. that's gonna put you over the top like he he's a guy that i think is a diamond dungeon in free agency like you get you know the the tariq cohen's the Dion lewis's you know all these mm-hmm. guys hit the market often so to me that's basically not worthless but it's not worth anywhere close to what i want for carson wentz and the 20th overall pick to me is not enough so it, it I think that the Eagles are going to have a tough time getting multiple ones for him because yeah. like you said off there before the show, this is not Matthew Stafford. Uh, this is a guy that has really fallen from grace. And I think that the league has kind of changed their opinion on him too. I think that there's a lot of guys that want to work with him and would love to get him in the building, but that cost and, and what that is, I think is a huge, huge sticking point. And uh it's I five million this year and 22, 23 next year. So, so I would take, I would take the, uh, and, and again, I like Carson Wentz about as much as anybody. So I, I think he's truly a top 10 quarterback. I just, I really do. I think that, uh, that offense was not working. I don't think he had any help. They were so injured. They draft bad wide receiver after bad wide receiver after bad wide receiver. They don't really put a running game behind him. Uh, Miles Sanders is is a good player, and they've been able to run the ball, but they don't commit to it. They want to pass Peterson constantly. Refused to call runs to help. Refused, them out. just absolutely was... refused to call runs. So Carson's yeah. dropping back constantly. Once the NFL caught up to the RPO thing, I mean, it, they they were never the same. And I don't think it was really all his fault. Even when I watch him play, like yeah, he he's got you're. What's going to happen now is you've worked some bad habits into him. Doug has. Like he's got hero ball syndrome. Yeah. Like, and you're going to have to coach that out of him. But how do you coach that out of him? Run the ball 20 times, you know, or play, play some defense, score, win a game scoring 20 points. Yeah. You know, he, just watching him was so frustrating. He just stand back there and just hold on to the ball forever. Yes. And it's like, dude, like roll out, throw it away, do something. Yes. And he's not absolved of, of all, the, he's not absolved of all the blame. And, and I think he's actually been immature in some of the way he's handled this. Like, he was all all pissed that they benched him for Hertz and he was all, you know, I, I want out. Like I, I can't deal with this anymore. Like buddy, like you were playing awful for two years in a row. They gave you a lot of money, a hundred million dollars not to play like that. Like they're like, this is like real life. And, and if you play like shit, there are consequences (laughs) <laughs> for not performing at your job, right? So yep. uh, I, I do think that he's not absolved of all of the, the blame in this. He definitely bears a weight of it. And I think the most concerning thing is not the the on-the-field struggles to me, is like, what's the makeup? What What is his makeup? 
What is his mental toughness like? Because he has gone into a shell and he he's afraid to take shots now. I mean, we used to see him run around like Patrick Mahomes and slinging it all over the place. And like you mentioned, he doesn't he doesn't move. He just stands there and holds holds the football. And I think any quarterbacks like this, if you see enough pressure, you're going to start seeing pressure that's not there and flinching in the pocket and just going down. I mean, we even saw Patrick do it in the Super Bowl. But uh, especially after you tear your ACL, I, a lot of quarterbacks yes. don't move as much as they did before that. So um, I, I do think that there's there's that. But uh, I, I, I think like if I'm the Eagles, I, I think it's more like I would like a first round pick and and ideally you know, you'd like that pick to be as high as you want, but let's say in this scenario, it's the bears at 20th overall. If I have to do the Nick Foles thing to make the money work fine. Uh, but I basically want your first round pick instead of treat Cohen. I need like a good defensive player. I need like Roquan Smith or I need Eddie Jackson or I need Jalen Johnson. That's, that's that's who I need. Like I, I don't want to read Cohen, some backup running back coming off of ACL surgery. I mean, I, I, I hate to hate to say it, and I don't want to diminish him because he's more than that, but that is really what he is. I mean, David Montgomery is the future of the backfield in Chicago. Yeah. So, and Miles Sanders is the future of the backfield in Philadelphia. So, like, training for, like, a, a running back, too. I mean, that has about as little value of any position in, in modern-day NFL football. So, like, give me, give me assets that I can use back, and we don't have to play around with the multiple ones. Like, I'll take – what was Jalen Johnson, the third round, second, third-round pick last year? Like, I'll take him and uh, take your first this year, and I'll take Foles to make the money work. But, like, give me some, give me somebody that I can use back. So I think that's kind of uh, where I'm at with the, with the Eagles thing. I don't think he's going to get multiple ones, though. I, unless they pack it, do a package thing for Ertz, maybe. Uh, and that's really interesting because if you, you put him back with Frank Reich, I, yeah. I would love to see that, you know, as a fan. Um, hope it happens, but uh, I we'll, think we'll, that's we'll see. their their best option because the bill or trading with the Bears that's in conference. They're not going to give up two ones yes. or anything like that's not going to be your best value and, deal. And you're thinking about a Bears team that hasn't picked in the first round in a couple years. Yep. That's been struggling. You know, they went twelve and four, but then it's been eight and eight the last two years. And Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are both, you know, quite literally coaching for their jobs. Probably should have been fired this year. Also, like to the to the McCaskies and uh, the the executives and the powers that be in Hallis Hall, let them make a trade or a decision of that magnitude when they clearly don't trust them. They're on lame duck contracts. Like to let them trade all these assets to acquire Carson Wentz would be maybe one of the dumbest things in the history of the franchise. So. And, and from the Eagles perspective, you're right. Like if he goes and has a ton of success in Indianapolis, like, yeah, that still sucks and it's going to hurt, but it hurts a lot less when you don't have to play him every year. So I, I think that, I think the thing that you have to come to the conclusion of in Philly is if you're the front office and you're considering trading him is, do we think he's done? Like, are we over him? Do we think we can fix it? Because if you think that there's even the slightest chance you can fix it, you got to keep him because of the money you've already paid him. And because of how bad it's going to make you look if he goes and has success somewhere else. But if they're just over him and over the antics and stuff, yeah, maybe somebody else can fix him, but that's not a risk we're willing to take anymore. We're going to get Jalen Hurts in there. We're going to maybe draft another guy, sign a guy. I think that's fine. And then you take it, you trade him to the Colts. Ideally, if I'm the Eagles, I don't want to trade him to the Colts, but uh, you trade him to the Colts and get some picks back. Uh, get maybe get a couple players back. I, I think that that's 
a win-win situation potentially. So uh, let's move on to the free agency and we'll just briefly touch on this and we'll get more into this as the weeks go on and we'll talk about specific guys. We're not going to really talk specific players that are going to be cut or free agents entering this year. There's a bunch of them. I've already looked. There's a lot of really intriguing guys, but let's just talk about the teams for now. You got the Jacksonville Jags who have about 75 million in cap space and we should clarify this. This is under the assumption we're uh, on. We're using spot tracks numbers, and that's under the assumption of what a seven hundred eighty-five million dollar cap, Nick. Yeah, yeah, one eighty-five is what that's they're about. Assuming. About fifteen million less than it was last year. It'll be the first time the cap has gone down in NFL history. So, assuming a hundred eighty-five million dollar cap, the Jags have seventy-four million in cap space. Jets right on their heels with seventy-two million dollars in cap space. You got the Colts with sixty-nine million dollars in cap space. Nice. We got the Patriots that I think are one of the more interesting teams with 64 million in cap space. That's a team that has never seemingly had a whole lot of cap space. The one year last year they did, they signed Stephon Gilmore and yep. uh, we saw that how that worked out. Now they're talking so, about trading him this off season. Yes. Which I think I honestly probably isn't the worst move. No. I think he it, it, bills always trade a guy a year too early and he gets a lot of value for those guys. He <laughs> yeah. does. So uh, well, I think they're, Butler. they're a team to watch out for because they had, Five, I think, defensive starters opt out yep. this year. So they're gonna they're gonna have all those guys coming back. Think of that as additions to your team. Including and he their, told their contract the year. Yeah, their so, two number one safeties were out this year. So though I mean Patrick Chung and McCordy, McCordy. are huge for their defense. So the the, what, the bummer about at least Patrick Chung is I think he's kind of old. But I mean, you can't underestimate a year off to the phys, to the to the yeah. body, like how much better they're gonna feel now. Especially it'll at get, that position. By week eight or week 16, like after a year on it, you'll be back to where you were. But like we saw what a year off did for Rob. He played yeah. every game this year. And that's something that he even said in his postgame interviews at the Super Bowl meant a lot to him more than anything else. He, it, it meant a lot to him that he started every game they played. So uh, especially for these defensive guys that just get hit and get hit. And by the time they turn 30, they're out of the league. Like a year off for, I think, Hightower was one. Yep. Chung was one. McCordy was one. I forget the other two. I want to say they had like a D lineman, an edge guy opt out. Yeah, and then I think one of them was uh, Jason McCordy. Jason McCordy. Well. Who, we'll McCourty. see if he's back. I think he yeah. he's even older he's than old. Devin, right? They're twins. They're the same age. They are twins? Okay, yeah. I don't know but why Jason's I always not think Jason's nearly much older. as good Because he's not as good as Devin is. Maybe he hasn't aged as gracefully as uh, Devin <laughs> yeah. McCourty. But the, the, the Patriots are an interesting team to me because it, think of it as though you're getting four or five starters back anyways. Like you're getting four or five starters already signed. Think yeah. about that in free agency. Because since they didn't play, their their contract tolls over, like I mentioned. So you get another year of control out of them. So yeah, this year sucked, but you're kind of set up now. So uh, you have those guys coming back and you, now you got 64 mil to spend. So you want to trade for Jimmy? Go for it. You want to make a run into Sean? Go for it. Like they got they got a lot of uh space to play around with here and they're going to pick about the highest they've picked in a long time. So the Patriots are really interesting to me. Obviously the Jags are going to just sign a slew of players I'd imagine. With uh Urban Meyer coming back. I mean I I saw maybe we should touch on this. Urban Meyer hired uh the guy the the racist strength coach from Iowa onto yeah. his staff. Did you see that report? 
Yeah, and then he resigned. <laughs> I saw, like, I saw the same one of the one of the titles of part of my takes episode was Urban Meyer is Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, no secret, I don't really like the guy. But uh, he's going to have a ton of picks and a ton of space. They're going to build that thing around Trevor Lawrence. It'll be interesting to see who they bring in because Urban knows the college game, but they're going to have to sign a lot of free agents. Does he? How, how up to date is he on guys that are going to be on the open market this year that he can maybe get? Um, Denver is a potential Deshaun Watson landing place. They're sixth in the NFL in cap space for the 2021 year at 36 million. I've heard, I, I think that'd be a great landing spot for Deshaun. That's a team in Vic Fangio. That's got some guys coming back off injury, AJ Boye, Chris Harris, um, Bradley Chubb. So, um, they'll have, they, and they already have all the pieces on offense. I mean, they drafted everybody known to man. So uh, they got Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton will be coming back off injury. They get drafted KJ Hamler in the mid rounds out of Penn State, and then you got uh, Philip Lindsay and, and Melvin Gordon there. So I yep. and Garrett Bowles all of a sudden went from like zero to hero. So you have a Stonewall left tackle too. So I think that's a really interesting uh, potential landing spot for Deshaun that I've seen floated out there. You go down now to the bottom of the list, Nick. We'll skip these teams in the middle here, and the New Orleans Saints. If the cap is $185 million next year, are going to be negative $70 million in cap space. And I know we talked about this briefly last week on midweek, and I attributed, I was like, ah, well, I wonder what that's going to look like when Drew Brees retires. Uh, like, what, 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 is the, what are those numbers going to look like? But I then realized Drew Brees does not even make that much money in terms of at least elite quarterbacks. It's not as though you're trimming 40 of the 70 million off immediately. His well, cap hit, I think, was only like 15, 20 million. Well, I don't know when, if this they've updated it since, but I think it was this weekend. He got rid of basically his entire contract. He's at the league minimum for veterans right now. He oh. already reworked his deal. He's down. Okay. Like he's retired. He's done. He's so I'd imagine that this in just knowing Spotrack, I think that this probably is updated. Yeah. <laughs> so they are screwed, in other yeah. words. And I don't think that this team is going to compete anymore. Uh, and you're going to see them start to start to, you know, dump some salary. Here's a little trade prediction while we get, you know, NFL rumors cranked up. Michael Thomas is going to get moved. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you get rid of 70. When you're 70 in this much financial, fi financial hell, and you got a guy that's not going to have a quarterback to throw to him, presumably that does not, like the team that butts heads that is pretty full of himself get him out I mean, him. you could you could see him you could see kamara you could see marshawn Lattimore. i mean you could see a lot of those yes. guys all have to go and for pennies on the dollar because what else are they going to do the i know no nfl team has ever been over the cap i don't even know what the penalty is well something like they that do happens, have some but... guys to cut i believe they could cut you know cam jordan they got some yeah. veterans they have uh emmanuel sanders he won't be back uh latavius murray's probably got to go um they have some other some older guys on defense yeah. that i'm and they're forgetting the average about. Eight, they have 58 guys signed they're 71 million dollars over and their average age is 27 and a half yeah, so I mean they're gonna they're gonna be cutting so they're gonna be cutting a lot of fat. I think they still have I wanna say they still had Manti Teo. Or is he on the chart? I don't know. So but I but they gotta they gotta definitely uh that team is gonna look so much different next year than than it does right now. So 
I'm just like a little preview. The Saints, as you know it, are done. Like yeah. they are done, whether Drew comes back or not. And I think their best option is if he doesn't come back. Because if he does come back, I can tell you with confidence they will not be making the postseason. No chance. So uh, I don't think they really have much of a chance anyways. But yeah, they are like leagues behind uh, the rest of the league. Minus $70 million in cap space. The Eagles are also in cap hell. They are negative $51 million which is why they're going to try to move Carson. They're going to try to move Zach Ertz. Like you mentioned, they're probably going to get rid of Lane Taylor, Jason Peters, like some of these old linemen that they have, uh, these defenders, they're going to have to get rid of them. Oh, uh, a couple of guy, veteran guys that just popped into my mind. And I was thinking Malcolm Jenkins because he was on the uh, that Eagles Super Bowl team. But he's going to be a guy that the Saints will get rid of. Jack Rabbit yeah. Jenkins, he'll he's get they'll a, get rid of him. I just saw. So he's at eleven million. Jared Cook has eight million. Yeah, Kwan Alexander's gone. at thirteen million. All those guys are gone. Mm-hmm. And like especially Jared Cook, they drafted Adam Troutman, I think second round last year. Like yeah, those guys are all going to be gone. So. The, the Eagles, too, are a team that's just in a ton of trouble. The Rams are going to have to rework some guys. Like, they're, they're, they're negative $34 million, their third lowest cap space. And you get teams like the Falcons, Chiefs, Packers, Steelers, Raiders. And I think that to be in negative cap space, especially with this cap going down, isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? I mean, you don't want to be negative $70 million like the Saints are. But the Chiefs being negative 21 million in cash, like that's to be expected. They have really good yeah. players. Like you got to pay Tyreek Hill. You got to pay Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher and Patrick Mahomes. Like you, you have to pay Travis Kelsey. Like that just comes with the territory. Like you have Tyra Matthew on your team. Like, yes, you're going to have, you're not going to have a lot of money. So they can cut th- Sammy Watkins and that gets rid of most of that. Yes. Yes. Like- but, but there's a difference to me that like the Steelers being negative, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Rams being negative, then like the Falcons being negative 23 million or the Lions being negative 1 million, the Giants being negative 1 million. Like, like what, like there's a huge difference between that or like the Raiders being negative 13 million. How the fuck are the Atlanta Falcons? Negative $23 million in cap space. Julio and Matt Ryan. But, like, that's why I also like that they have the number of people that are signed under contract on here. Like, the Falcons, negative $23 million, only 42 players. Yeah, the Packers are at almost negative $21 million. They have 61 guys signed. There's guys that they yeah. have to cut before next year. Right. The Falcons right. don't even have a full roster. Yes. Yeah, you're tied. So, that's where, like, that they, you'll hear a lot of times in articles, they talk about your top 51 like your top 51 contracts. And so uh, there's, yeah, there is a huge difference. Like, like you said, Nick, the Packers have like 20 more players on their contract right now. So like for the, for the, for the Falcons, like, yeah, you're paying Julio. Yeah. You're paying Matt Ryan. But when you start doing the math on cap hits and stuff, you'd, I think you'd be shocked to learn. Like it, it does, it does take up a lot of cap space. That's probably like only a fifth of your cap space. Like where's the rest of that going? Because they don't have any good players. Like they, they have, you know, uh, are they paying who's the Todd middle Gurley? linebacker? I love the middle linebacker. Uh, oh. Dion something. Yes. Uh, anyways, but uh, they for teams like that and for teams like the Lions who are negative cap space for teams like the Raiders who are negative 13 million. Like, who are you paying? Because like you have Derek Carr, you have Darren Waller. You Josh Jacobs is your best player. He's on a rookie contract. Max Crosby, one of your best edge rushers, rookie contract. 
you know, rugs, Cleveland Furl, rookie contracts. The like, Lions are because they've got 20 million in dead cap space. Like, yes, the Rams are good. They're 34 under. They have 30 million dollars in dead cap space. Like, that's just signing dumb contracts. Yes. Yeah. And and that's part of it too. Uh like like for, for the Rams, like that dead cap, I'm sure a lot of that's tied to Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. I mean, it just yep. it just absolutely devastates you when you extend the wrong guy. That's why you see in and fans get mad about this on Twitter, but like that's why you see the Cowboys are hesitant to give Dak Prescott a hundred million dollars. We know that Dak Prescott can take us to the playoffs now. Can he take us to the playoffs when we don't have Tyron Smith, when we have to cut or trade Jalen Smith or Leighton Vander Esch, when we don't have a good defense, when Zeke has to go? Yeah, when Zeke's not on the team, or is he still gonna be good then? And that is the difference. And like if you want to just have the conversation of does this guy deserve to be extended or not, go sit at the little kids' table because the the money matters in the NFL and that's what it's about. Like we we know Dak Prescott's good, but can he make the playoffs? What like when he gets into you know Aaron Rodgers territory, when he gets into Russell Wilson territory, when they start having to take pieces away from the team, when the team's not loaded anymore and it has holes, can you still carry it? And that's what like the Eagles found out. No, can't do it. The 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 Rams resounding no. Like I don't know what they were thinking. So like that is that is what's gonna be I think interesting to to see when you look at some of these contracts. But it's really just at the quarterback position. But it'll be interesting to see what the quarterback how the quarterback market shakes out, how that affects some of these uh, cap spaces. But it's just really interesting to study the numbers and and I. I free plug here like go to spo track they do a great yeah. job of breaking it down and you can see who gets owed what and you can play around with it if the teams do different things but uh yeah it's really interesting for me to see some of the teams that that don't have space that are like five win teams like that that yeah. is when you're in trouble when you don't have or like you're the raiders too and you're giving up picks or uh some of these other squads that have traded away picks and you're also bad and you have no cap space like it's it's a long long road to t- road to tell. Like it's yeah. it, you're gonna have your work cut out for you. So um, that'll I think do it for our show this week. We'll so, talk more in depth free agents next week. Tali, what do you got? I got one more thing. This is breaking news while we're recording here on Monday afternoon. Even though the show comes out on Thursday, Vincent Jackson, only 38 years old, has been found dead in a hotel oh in Braden, God. Florida. His death wow. is under investigation. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So he was in the, when did he, when, when did he stop playing? He last played for the Bucks in 2016. Three times. Yeah, I, knew, I knew it was the Bucks. Uh, yeah. 2016. Wow. Yeah. That's a bummer. Where, where did he, so did he play most of his career with the Bucks then? That's who I, I remember know. him on. Wasn't he with the Chargers for a while too? I'm not sure. Why don't I go look it up? Or maybe you could look it up since you got it pulled up. But, yeah. uh, yeah, no, that's super sad to hear about. It's it's unfortunate. Uh, hopefully, there's you know nothing. I, obviously, it's tragic one way or another, though, because I mean people don't people don't just drop dead at thirty eight usually. No, I mean, so. and this is the second kind of crazy story that's come out this year. I don't know or this week. I don't know if you saw it. The Ravens corner Jimmy Smith and his family got like robbed at gunpoint this week, but they were <laughs> all not, okay. Thankfully. I did not see that. <laughs> yeah. At least it wasn't a uh, situation. What was the NFL player that had, uh, God, what, his wife came in 
his wife came in and held him at gunpoint while he was like messing around with some other girl, but his brother was there too. Oh, I don't know. I know the other <laughs> tragic stories. It was kind of hilarious because basically not only was the guy cheating, he was like, Oh yeah. Weird, weird I crap remember with his this brother. One. Yes. I do you know who it was? Name. I do not remember the guy's name. Uh, really I mean, you always think about out. the Sean Taylor story of him, you know, coming home, someone broke into his uh, house and tragically took his life. But mm-hmm. Vincent Jackson was Drafted in the second round, 2005, by the San Diego Chargers. Played for them with them for six years and then four years with the Bucks. Yeah, and he was especially early on in his career, like just you didn't see guys that had that were as smooth as he yeah. was athletically that had the height that he had. Eleven that years made, in the league, him so deadly. Yeah, eleven years in the league, he had over nine thousand yards and fifty-seven touchdowns. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean the touchdown numbers career. alone is crazy, and that's what, he kind of redefined the red zone threat, right? Yeah. Like you had guys that were red zone threats, and he was one of, if not the best. Like if you're gonna run a goal line fade, <laughs> that's probably the yeah. guy you want to run it to. So yeah, no, that's that's a huge bummer. Um, and thank you, Tyler, for ending the show on such a downer. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but that'll do that'll do it for us this week. Um. Be sure to be sure to check us out. Rate us on uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to rate us. Give us a five-star review. That really helps us. And go on over to check out. If you do check out Aces Wild, if you do create something on Book It, tweet Trent Adia or I don't know what you call it. You don't tweet on Book It. You, you book it. So, yes, yeah, s- s- send him a book it and uh, uh, let him know that uh, the From the 50 guys got you well, on. So that TJ, helps us out. TJ kind of broke this on bruise if you listen to that on monday so i'll break I did it not. for our fr- no it's coming out on or tuesday i guess it'll come out tomorrow oh okay. we're recording this but from the 50 website being launched march 12th yeah and, time for the new year and nick has a really cute picture on there so <laughs> go and check out nick in a button-down shirt first and only time i have seen him in a button-down shirt yeah. so we that also, should be reason enough for you to check out the website i think this might be even breaking news to you we have a voicemail line for from the 50 very cool separate from the brew show i was gonna say we had had the voicemail line for brews and we had yes. gotten some football voicemails in the past but that is we have our very own from the 50 number so call in text in whatever you want it's 904-990-FT50 Nine zero four. So you can, and you can text into FT50. that, right? You can text. You can and text so, in that. So repeat the number again, since I freaking talked over you it, yet again. And I'll leave out the FT for people if they can't figure that out. It's the numbers nine zero four nine nine zero three eight five zero. Call in, text in, whatever you want. So that'll be fun. Um, tell us how much we suck. Tell us how <laughs> big idiots we are, and give us a. If you want to text in, give us some topics to talk about. Yeah. Because uh, obviously it's the off season, so we can kind of go wherever you guys uh, want. So uh, be sure to text in or leave a voicemail um, and definitely rate us on iTunes. That definitely helps. So uh, for uh, the rest of the From the 50 crew, for Nick Tolly, I'm Zach Zook. We will see you guys next week.